0: Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, host of The Big Picture. Did you just see the latest tentpole blockbuster? Or a surprisingly fun new movie on a streaming service? Or maybe you just want to bone up on the greatest films ever made. From reviews to rankings, career retrospectives to movie drafts, and everything in between, The Big Picture is here for you. Listen to The Big Picture for free on Spotify.
1: This episode is brought to you by Accenture. To Trial by Content, the podcast where we force our favorite pop culture to compete in the Coliseum of Contentious Opinion so we can all decide what wins. Each week, your three humble hosts will debate a pop culture topic, set the specific rules, and rumble until a consensus is reached. Then, with input from you, the listener base, we'll smash together our nominations with yours and determine a final four-nominee poll that will decide the one true Trial by Content winner. Hello, I'm Dave Gonzalez. I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Neil Miller. And this week, we honor the man, the myth, the composer John Williams by using his extensive body of work in over 100 films, an over 40-year partnership with Steven Spielberg even, to ponder, is there a best John Williams theme? And if so, which one is it? The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences' Most Nominated Living Artist has a wide and diverse catalog, and we love all of it, but debate we must for the content. But first, the final word on the best Pixar movie from last week, how did we do, Joanna?
2: Listen, democracy is a beautiful, beautiful concept, (laughs) and here's what's happened (laughs) last week's poll. It was very, very close, desperately close uh, at the end of the day here. Neil, uh, with his emotional plea for up, came in at the bottom, but the bottom is not... Too far down.
0: Yeah. Well, and at 18%, it's actually a slight overperformance for the Knights of Neil. Like we're we're used to a solid <laughs> 10 to 12%. So I feel pretty good about right.
2: it. Right. And Harrison Ford wasn't even involved in your in your bid this week. So uh all right. So that is Neil at 18 point, uh 18%. Our listener, our lovely listener came in at twenty-one percent. Really good showing. Uh, Dave with Wally came in with two thousand six hundred and eleven votes, but Joanne Robinson with Finding Nemo came in with two thousand six hundred and thirteen votes. That's right, folks. I won by two votes. Ugh. Every vote
1: counts. <laughs> you won by two votes, and we have three polls. That's like a third of a person that that is that is that is chosen you over me.
2: It is a triumph for fishes everywhere. So. Uh, F you robots, bless you fishes. Uh, We did it. We did
1: it. We'll wait till I get uh, Arizona's electors thrown out, and this uh, this whole thing's gonna change.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was on real pins, and like we were tied on the Twitter poll for a really long time, and I was like, I was very stressed out. But yeah, two vote margin, I won. Feels great. Feels great to be alive. Uh, This week, of course, though, we're talking about John Williams. And I do not think I'm going to win this week's, just a preview of what's to come. Uh, The hook, of course, the reason why we're talking about John Williams is not just because he's celebrating his 80th uh, birthday this year, but because of the Disney Plus series, Obi-Wan Kenobi, for which John Williams composed a new theme. The main theme for Obi Wan Kenobi, but the bulk of the score for the show is composed by the great Natalie Holt, who did Loki and some other things. So, John Williams very narrowly involves, but that is hook enough for us to talk <laughs> about John Williams and specifically to talk about like you know Star Wars music. Um, John Williams is. You know, Ludwig Gordonson has made a good case for his work on The Mandalorian and making that indelible music. But I think, you know, when we think of Star Wars music, we think of John Williams. This is a composer who, is, who has touched so many parts of our pop culture and our childhood and, and our adulthood. But let's talk about the Obi-Wan Kenobi show for a second. The finale is this week. It will already have run. By the time this episode drops, actually, right, or or uh, around the same time, probably by the time you listen to this, simultaneous the, the drop,
1: episode.
2: the episode will be out in the world. So let me just ask, let me just, let me just, let me just uh, query Neil Miller, how's the show working for you so far?
0: Here's the thing uh- <laughs> about the Obi Wan show, um, I I guess I enjoy being back with these characters again, right? I I enjoy Ewan as we've talked about at great length on this very podcast. I don't have any problem with Darth Vader coming back, and I don't have any problem with them sort of intersecting, but it doesn't look as good as I expect. And I feel like it is constantly doing things, at least visually, from production design and scale standpoint, that are reminding me that it is a television show, and our primary mode of receiving Star Wars content is via television, and it's the first time... Probably since maybe Mandalorian, like the end of the Mandalorian season one, that I'm like, man, I I, I kind of miss Star Wars movies, like actual movies from Star Wars, because this isn't entirely doing it. Uh, all that to say that it's fine.
2: <laughs> A resounding fine from Neil Miller. <laughs> Real
0: capital F fine.
2: <laughs> uh, and, and Neil is our most positive member of the podcast, so Dave Gonzalez. Sure. How are you feeling?
1: Deborah Chow would make a fantastic director of a season of 24 we didn't get because there's so much nonsense, incident and close-up shots placed into this show that I agree absolutely with Neil. It should have been a movie, so it could be shot uh, cinematically. Also, I think there's just enough plot for a movie and extending it 24-like because you have to into more time. I think, really kneecapped some characters like Reva, where um, it could have just been mindless rage for two hours, and I think it would have read a lot better and a lot more dark side and a lot more Sith than somebody that had to be foiled three or four times before we got to the center of her rage, you know? But the good thing is Darth Vader's been on television a few times now, and Darth Vader seems to also work on TV, so at least the legacy, that legacy character came out intact.
2: I mean, I think Obi-Wan is also working purely because Ewan McGregor, like... It works, you know, uh, no matter what. <laughs> is is, but, is
0: working? Well, but, he's, you know, he's working yeah. really hard, as is his stunt double's wig, which is doing a lot of covering his face, which has kind of stood out to me, like the fight scene. I was like, eh, I would have shot this differently if this was like a movie or a more expensive project.
2: But I agree, the Vader's working, Obi-Wan's working, everything else feels... A little rickety around them, and but I do feel like I'm hopeful that this finale, in which we anticipate there will be another Vader Obi Wan fight, uh, will will land the plane in a way that feels satisfactory and and thematically rich. We are likely getting a second Obi-Wan season uh, because it's been so popular, and I'm I'm hopeful that they learn sort of from some of the feedback from this season and make it even stronger that we don't know how much more material we can cram in between <laughs> um, and still keep the plot, the plot structures in place. But I mean, it is a joy to spend, for me, to spend every week with Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, despite whatever else is happening around him. Like, just... To look at him, to listen to him, to (laughs) be with him is important to me. As
1: as a Qui-Gon Jin fan, I'm also hoping that by the time you listen to this, we've added Liam Neeson officially to the Obi-Wan Kenobi cast, because that would almost be worth it on its own at this point. Where's Force Coast Qui-Gon? 100%. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I feel like there are two things that could really bring things back around for Obi-Wan, and one of them is obviously give me the Liam Neeson. And uh, the other one is if they want to throw uh, my little, the little guy, Grogu, somewhere in the background. Even if it's in the background, I just want to be able to be like, see, the little guy, he's everywhere.
2: Um, I am pro Qui-Gon, maybe a little anti-Grogu, not in general, but maybe on this show. I don't need Grogu everywhere, but I definitely 100% need Qui-Gon. So I feel like if,
1: putting Darth Vader and Grogu in the same space would cause the same sort of matter, anti-matter re- reaction that putting R2-D2 <laughs> and Darth Vader in the same space does. You can't put the two popular characters in the same space. It's got It's going to end up disappointing somebody.
2: I think if we get like a really good duel between Vader and Obi-Wan that feels like it hits some character beats, and then we get a really good interac- interaction between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan... I I I might be just entirely satisfied, so we shall see. Yeah, then my um, summer
1: project becomes editing Obi Wan a movie out of the six episodes of Obi Wan the TV show.
2: Hell yeah, love that, love that for you and for me because I'll watch it. Uh, so that's you know that's our that's our Obi Wan Kenobi check in. I think we're you know it's not as spectacular as we hoped it might be, but certainly not a complete miss. And um that that. Kenobi theme is uh, is lovely to hear, but it is not the music that got me hyped uh, in the trailer. And we'll talk about that perhaps in a second before we do, Neil Miller, what are the rules today?
0: Well, the rules are simple for this one. Uh, your choice for the best John Williams theme must be a piece of score. It doesn't have to be very long. We... We'll recognize them, I imagine, very quickly, uh, but they must be composed by the legend John Williams for either a movie or a TV or the games of an Olympiad, uh, because this man's uh, work spans so many different mediums. Uh, but before we get to that, we have uh, some things, some awards to give away. First up is a category Crown award. And this goes to the Recording Academy. You'll know them as the uh, voting body that determines who wins Grammy Awards for being the institution that has nominated John Williams the most. He has been nominated for 72 Grammy Awards. And he has also won the most uh, of any of the institutions that have celebrated him. He, won, he has won 25 Grammys. So the Recording Academy is accurately recognizing John Williams' talent. Uh, not so much with the Oscars, I would say, even though they have nominated him 52 times, which is second only to Walt Disney, who has 59. And let's be honest, Walt Disney didn't work as hard for those 59 as John Williams did for 52. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, but John Williams only has five Oscar wins. Uh, those are for Fiddler on the Roof, Jaws, Star Wars, E.T., and Schindler's List. Uh, other institutions that have celebrated him, he is not an EGOT. Uh, winner, even though he's got three of the four. He does not have a Tony Award, as far as I can find, but he does have six Emmy nominations and three wins, 25 Golden Globe nominations and four wins, and just to top it all off, 16 BFI, British Film Institute, awards uh, nominations with seven wins. So shout out to all the people who have celebrated John Williams, um, including the Recording Academy. The category clown this week, I'm going to turn this lens on people like us who review things or have reviewed things at one point or another. Uh, And this goes to the critics who uh, participated in the giving of a 29% Rotten Tomato score to the film Hook, which is a really inaccurate score for the film Hook. Um, And it is, it is tied with the 1966 Western, the rare breed as the lowest rated film that has a score from John Williams at 29%. So even John Williams has never put up a, a Rotten Tomatoes donut. Uh, and that's uh, that's good to see. So now, of course, uh, like we do every week, we got to do some pretrial dismissals. And this is this one's gonna be tough to hear, friends. Like there <laughs> are is a lot of really good stuff on this list of great contenders that you will not hear mentioned in the debate itself.
2: You might hear it mentioned though before the episode's closed out, right? sure, like-
0: yes. You may hear a little bit of them at some point, but they will not be part of the prop the debate proper. Uh, and this includes somewhere in my memory from Home Alone. This also includes the haunting theme from Schindler's List with that viol- that gorgeous violin. So
2: good, yeah. Uh,
0: this could include any of the things that John Williams has um, composed for NBC, and then includes the Olympic fanfare, it includes the NBC Nightly News theme, and it includes the NBC Sunday Night Football Wait. theme.
2: Neil, how does the NBC Sunday night football theme go? Do you know?
0: Oh, I was just listening to it. Um bum bum bum, da-da-da, 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 da, bum da It's the one that comes on, you know, before we get uh-huh. Mike Tarico on Sunday nights. Anyway. Great, great, great. <laughs> <laughs> so you won't hear that one. You will not hear the theme from the original Lost in Space from the 1960s, which was composed by. Uh, Mr. Williams, you will not hear the calypso-infused theme from the unaired pilot of Gilligan's Island, which John <laughs> Williams composed and was later replaced uh, for the. Uh, I've
2: never heard that. Real pilot.
0: Oh, it's it's not his best work. Uh, you will not hear any uh, about anything from his scores that he did for George Miller's The Witches of Eastwick. Rob Marshall's 2005 historical epic Memoirs of a Geisha, Oliver Stone's Born on the Fourth of July, the Frank Langella-led 1979 Dracula, John Singleton's 1997 film Rosewood, or John Frankenheimer's 1977 Super Bowl disaster movie Black Sunday. (laughs) Nothing from those. (laughs) (laughs) That's some of his more underrated work. (laughs) Uh, You will also not hear the main theme and title march from a little movie called Superman, the movie. Although, as Joanna mentioned, that one might come up again before we're all said and done. And then I am probably saddest to report here that there are several iconic pieces of Star Wars score that we are not going to be talking about. Rest assured, Something Star Wars related is in the debate. So please stop writing that email that you're currently uh, currently writing. Uh, you're not going to hear anything from the original trilogy, which includes the Imperial March and the main Star Wars theme. Those are probably two big ones. Go ahead and keep writing that email again. Uh, you're not going to hear much from the prequels, maybe one, uh, but definitely not the Across the Stars love theme from Attack of the Clones. Uh, no dice there. And sadly, nothing from the sequel trilogy, which includes... A pretty good one in Ray's theme. I mean, there's a bunch of bangers on that sequel trilogy, but definitely nothing from The Rise of Skywalker. So
2: So there you have it. I love Ray's theme. uh,
0: Some of the iconic, lovely themes that John Williams composed for us that we will not be debating this week, which means it's time to debate the big ones.
1: That means it's time for our opening remarks where we are each going to unveil our John Williams pick. Uh, We usually have a a minute uh, to give these uh, uninterrupted. The timer is going to be a little weird this week because we are going to be singing parts of our theme as we asked from you, so we shall deliver ourselves. We're going to go in uh, the order of last week's winner gets to go first. That's Joanna by two votes. How dare you? You could have had me go first. (laughs) Then it'll be me, then it'll be Neil, and our uh, final arguments will go in that reverse order. But either way, Joanna gets to start us off.
2: All right, so let me preface this by saying that um, there there is a theme that I first gravitated towards that I will not be representing because I am best friends with Neil Miller, and <laughs> Neil really wanted that one. So, But the more I thought about it, the more I got excited to represent this one. Um... And it goes a little something like this. That's right. Get mad. Our one Star Wars representation is from The Phantom Menace. And the reason why I'm excited to argue for it is that it's one thing to write a great theme for a great movie, but what about writing a banger song for a almost universally reviled movie? That's right. It's Duel of the Fates from The Phantom Menace, a movie that almost no one likes except for maybe if you were a kid and you like pod racing. Um, This is the theme that plays when... Maul and Qui Gon and Obi Wan fight in the one sequence that everyone agrees is great from that movie. It is a killer Star Wars earworm from a bad movie. Well done, thank you, John Williams. Duel of the Fates.
1: All right, bum ba da dum, bum dum, dum, bum ba dum, bum What makes John Williams theme super memorable? I'd argue that Williams' best pairing is his themes with action and moments of high visual drama, no matter how condensed. In the case of Star Wars, Williams even figured out how to punctuate a previously on-scroll. It's because of this that I'm pretty sure John Williams works best in serials because the music has to send one main message, get ready for something awesome. That's why I'm picking Raiders March, colloquially known as the Indiana Jones theme, because of course it is. That's how great it is. Everything good about brass is going to lead back to John Williams anyway. But this is a theme <laughs> that has been connected to the last remnant of American film serials as a new installment coming to theaters soon. So the fact the theme that we because can be used as a call to adventure with some low French horn or a rollicking moment that calls attention to the climax. Raiders' March brings to mind the character of Indiana Jones and his numerous adventures in cinema and on television.
0: All right, I guess that's my, that means it's my turn. Friends, this is where I admit that I am at a bit of a disadvantage in this debate because no matter how much musical knowledge they have, I can assure you there is no doubt that my co-hosts have more than I do. I don't really have any insights into the quality of one musical (laughs) composition versus another, but what I do understand is emotion. The emotions when I feel about 49 seconds into the surprisingly calm, almost whimsical start to the theme from Jurassic Park, when the strings rise up for the first time and offer us a warm embrace. No helping. No.
1: This is how we lose, Joanna.
0: <laughs> yes, I am nominating the main theme from Jurassic Park.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah, but does yours have Darth Maul? No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No. And that's
1: that's how we get into the debate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mine does not have Darth Maul, but I will tell you this. Anytime in my uh, 30 years of life that I have met someone who is an equally big Jurassic Park enthusiast, It always comes with them giving me uh, what they believe their lyrics are to the Jurassic Park theme. So I feel like I've heard so many. What are Um, some of
2: the lyrics that you've heard, Neil?
0: Well, (laughs) there's one that goes, There are dinosaurs, there are dinosaurs, and they live on an island. That's a great one. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh, you'll also you also might remember uh, Jeff Goldblum uh, back in twenty odd fourteen, going on the Seth Meyers show and singing one that he picked up from the internet, and it goes something like this: "In Jurassic Park, scary in the dark, I'm so scared that I'll be eaten." It's great.
2: That's an incredible uh, Jeff Goldblum impression. I love it you. dearly.
0: <laughs> thank but you. But my question
2: is: Do any of those lyrics? Hold up to the incredible sophisticated lyrics of Duel of the Fates, which go "Cora Mata, Cora <laughs> Ratama. <laughs> which, by the way, PS, if you've ever wondered what are those words in Duel of the Fates that I just sort of tunelessly hum along to, uh, that's like the Darth Maul chant. That's the chant that follows Darth Maul throughout the whole movie. And it's this like beautiful operatic opening. And then you just get. This relentless, dun, 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 and you know what's gonna happen. The word fates is in the title for a reason. Like you know what's gonna happen. You know, a bad thing is about to happen. This is such a pivotal moment. And it's a song so good that they brought it back for Attack of the Clones when Anakin goes looking for his mom, Shmi, <laughs> beloved Shmi, right? And then they brought it back again in Revenge of the Sith during the Emperor Yoda fight when Yoda definitely looks great and not at all uh, silly and CGI'd. So uh, (laughs) it's a fantastic, fantastic score. They used it at Celebration uh, this year. And they also used it in the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer because they know that it would get people hyped. It does. It gets my blood racing. Like, there's, there's of course, a million great Star Wars themes, their Imperial March, blah, blah, blah. But if I want to, like, hype myself up, it's... Duel of the Fates. It's so good.
0: <laughs> what I do, I, I like one thing about Duel of the Fates is that it's a piece of score that immediately recalls a very specific moment, right? It's the climax of the movie. It's the big fight scene at the end. I can't hear it without seeing the or they like those pink laser divider things that keep closing on them. it's 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 incredible. Whereas, like the theme for Jurassic Park, is used several times, right? It's a motif that ends up uh, in multiple tracks on that Jurassic Park theme, uh, on that Jurassic Park soundtrack. And it's, quarter, I think of it like the anchor of the rest of the score, whereas Duel of the Fates is like this very specific moment uh, in the Phantom Menace that you remember being great. This is the soundtrack to it. So yeah, you know, that's would, something that yeah. our listeners are going to have to decide when they, when they go to vote. I, I, would, you know?
2: I would say similarly for the, the Raiders theme, right. Is like, that's, that just, we love it. Obviously it's a great, it's a great it's foundation knocking, for a great I'm not score. Knocking, <laughs>
0: I'm
1: not
2: knocking <laughs> Dave's incredible pick, but yeah, I mean, you hear it a lot. You even hear it and you know, it's, it's in the bad movie
1: too. Um, Oh, we're going to talk about quality of all the movies after you just listed all the prequel films?
2: Um, I'm just saying that if, if John Williams had scored something for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, like, you know, Monkeys on the Vine or whatever, and it were a banger, that would, that would, that would be impressive. There's nothing that came out of that movie that feels favorable. Mutt's motif did not, did not make it onto the charts.
1: Even though they're, but I think all of the themes do what John Williams does really well, which is sort of like a rising to a climax theme. You know, Jurassic Park starts off very slow. Duel of the Fates starts like building up to the gigantic fight before the choir comes in, unless you count that like opening sting. But even with the opening sting, it falls off. I feel like Raiders can be quieter in some parts, but it's all singularly focused. It takes the place for me as something as singular as the Star Wars theme or the Imperial March, because it's a piece of music that has to really only do one thing, which is be like, here we go, heroes on adventure, and doesn't not necessarily have to concern itself with a whole bunch of detail. Uh, something that is like great about the Jurassic Park theme, I think, is that uh, in addition to having the adventure thing, there's a uh, feeling of wonder that's baked into it in the way some of the crescendos are built into. Which is fine. But as Joanna, you know, has pointed out, occasionally good scores put over bad movies. And I didn't like hearing the John Williams Jurassic Park theme poking out of Jurassic World Dominion. Oh, it no. felt like it felt like a mask, like somebody wearing a mask and trying to convince me it was the good dinosaurs.
2: You mean Chris Pratt fending off a dinosaur with his uprised open palm is not as, as wonder-inducing <laughs> to you as Sam Neill and Laura Dern standing up in a Jeep and like ripping their sunglasses off as they see a brontosaur for the first time?
1: I mean, even Laura Dern standing up in a Jeep and rick- uh, ripping her glasses off to look at the horrible locusts that have eaten the field. Not the uh, locusts. Oh, no. feels very disingenuous. <laughs> All I'm saying is... Everybody's uh, theme is great, but I also think everybody's theme has the capability of being so good and so anchored to a moment personally for each person, it can be used as the cheese in a trap to bring you into bad cinema. In the case of Joanna, she mentioned how Duel of the Fates was, you know, used in the trailer for Obi-Wan. I have not seen a Duel of the Fates level duel in Obi-Wan yet. Granted, I haven't seen the final yet? episode. What if it kicks in? During the Vader-Obi-Wan showdown in the finale. Considering how it was shot versus how the actual duel of the fates was shot, I think that would actually still work in my favor. Um, but we'll see. I, I, don't, I,
2: I, I don't know what you mean by that, and I don't agree.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, don't also, understand
2: the point, and I also disagree with it. Also, <laughs> I don't uh, understand the question. Yeah, I will not yeah, respond was, to it. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I'm definitely making the choice to remember the Jurassic Park theme as the moment where uh, Dr. Sadler and Grant first lay eyes on uh, some big flocking dinosaurs. Uh, And also, I think it's important to point out that John Williams did not do the score for Jurassic World Dominion. Our friend and yours, Michael Giacchino did. And I am not here to hold John Williams accountable for any mistakes that our beloved Michael Giacchino may have made with the new dinosaur movie. (laughs)
2: P.S. I'm writing out to myself after this to look up the track name. So Jurassic World Dominion
1: score. (laughs) (laughs) Jaquino never met a pun he didn't like. Can't wait. Oh, yeah. And here there's a whole Locust movie for him. I have a lot of experience with both my choice and Neil's choice from being uh, trapped in the queue for theme park rides. And that actually makes me like them more uh, because I feel like, again, when they're being used and deployed in their movies, uh, it is sort of like this message either of like wonder or adventure, which works really good for queuing and amusement what Jurassic, park rides.
2: What Jurassic Park queue have you been in, stuck in?
1: Uh, the uh, Jurassic Park ride at Universal Studios, which uses this not only in the queue, or at least originally, not before the Jurassic World overlay, but originally used it in the queue uh, when Hammond would be talking to you about how this park was doing fine. And then it also comes on over the speakers after you do the plunge, or at least did in the original run through. That theme was everywhere.
2: Can you imagine how amped you would be for a Star Wars ride? If you too amped. Too <laughs> amped. You'd for be like, like an hour, hour and a half, I have to hear Duel oh the Fates. You'd be like hopping like Obi-Wan behind the force field, ready to go in and fight Darth Maul. Yeah. You'd be like, no, Qui-Gon. Oh my God, it'd be tremendous. That's oh, the reason wow. why
1: I can't bring my lightsaber in the queue for uh, Star, Star Wars rides, because I'd just be too hyped.
0: Love um, it. I have become distracted by Joanna's uh promised quest to find pun titles in the Jurassic Park domin- <laughs> is, The Jurassic what World you, Dominion.
2: Where'd you find Neil?
0: I would just like to. This is a this is a track with two names. It's track eight, and it is a Sattler State of Affairs slash uh, Alan for Granted. No. Uh. I I can't go much deeper because this is just going to... Be that's classic of
2: Giacchino. If you don't know this, I mean, this is tangentially important, right? We're on a composer podcast. If you've never experienced Michael Giacchino's track names, as the three of us who podcasted about Lost for two years have, please go do yourself a solid and look up some Michael Giacchino score track titles because your life will change forever. Um, Wooing for yeah.
0: redemption. I know that's about Henry Wu. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Wrong place, long time.
1: That's about Beanie Wong. Oh, All man. right.
2: Um, so, should we talk about our listener
0: submissions? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I I want to do one more thing before we uh, talk about listener submissions, which is I want to open some things up to uh, themes that are in our movies that maybe we didn't pick. Because Neil, we were talking before we went on the podcast. I was playing a longer version of the Jurassic Park theme that includes the approach. To, uh the island initially which has a, another incredibly memorable theme and then i wanted to throw out that a lot of my favorite indiana jones uh john williams work is actually in uh the second movie uh but also a lot of them have names that have to do with slave children because of the plot of that movie and i just feel like i wouldn't win i'd lose the harrison ford you're bump you were gonna <laughs> lose the,
0: the like context yeah. light twitter poll version of that one you i can it. assure you <laughs>
1: You got to cling
2: to that Ford bump and you can't let it go.
0: Exactly.
1: But is an amazing theme that I still sing to myself when I'm hiking. So just a shout out to other things from Indiana Jones.
2: Have you considered?
1: I'm walking.
2: Yeah. Okay. Okay. You'd have a great hike.
1: That is a that is a fast pace. Uh, uh-huh.
2: It's like a trot, a, a gentle country trot.
1: <laughs> All right, but our listeners have picked things from other movies, so I just wanted to make sure we covered anything. Joanna, this, here's the time to shout out awesome Star Wars tracks.
2: Uh, there are a few others, but I feel like that only detracts from my case because I don't want to remind people from the others about the other Star Wars tracks that we didn't <laughs> <Fair>, pick. <pay. laughs> fair, fair,
0: don't don't pay attention to these iconic pieces of score over here. Yeah, Let's don't worry about things.
1: Yoda and the Force. It doesn't make me cry when I listen to it because no, I'm no, it with my dad. All right, cool. It's fine. It's fine.
2: Binary sunset, what? <laughs> Who? Who
0: cares? Uh, well, yeah, and for Jurassic Park, as far as as Dave mentioned, there's the longer version, but there's also a really slow, sort of tender version called A Tree for My Bed, which is the score that plays over when they're in the, oh, the kids and Alan are yeah. in the tree sleeping.
2: Lex and Timmy.
0: Yeah, it's like a tender version of the same theme. So, like just I said, like John Williams just he covered uses covered in dino snot.
2: So well. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I will say this about other Star Wars themes: and most of John Williams' most iconic Star Wars themes are character focused, right? Leia's theme, Han and Leia, like you know Luke's Force theme, the Imperial March, is Vader's theme, etc. Um, what I love about Duel of the Fates is that it is less of a character focus. I was reading this really interesting essay on it about how like Phantom Menace itself is not so much a character focused story because Anakin isn't really a character yet and we're not really digging deep on any of these characters in this story, but it is like um a that sort of inevitable barreling towards something. We know how this all ends. We know where this all goes. The Fates part of Duel of the Fates is all about this, like, when you watch a prequel, you have the dread of the future hanging over you. And so it's just this, like, propulsive, um, I think the musical term is ostinato, which is a repetitive motif moving you towards something, rather than, luxuriating in Luke's experience or Leia's, like, love story with Han or something like that. I thought that was a really interesting point, um... But most of all, it's just an earworm banger, and I love Duel of the Fates. So that's why it's here.
0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
1: Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to
0: your local store. Like now, go!
1: Nice. All right. That means it's now time to do the listener submissions. Uh, I'm going to call the order this week because we're building to something. Neil, why don't you go first?
0: Well, mine is a fairly simple one, and it was one that I not in good conscience uh, could i leave this one off of the table this week uh this comes from sean and sean says the answer to the best john williams score is easy it's the jaws theme and the answer why is simple it's terrifying it's anxiety inducing terror seen the movie you know what's happening and are still on the edge of your seat haven't seen the movie it's going to make you check your surroundings to make sure there isn't someone or something creeping on you. And just as a personal aside from me, it will make you not go into the deep end of public pools for a long, long time in your life. <laughs> Let's hear a clip of Sean singing the theme from Jaws. Ba na
1: ba ba
0: ba ba
2: incredible
0: boom, sorry boom. sean i i can't get that high uh high note uh either so <laughs> really takes off there
1: uh i'm gonna go next i uh picked up becky who submits this while many people and i'm sure you will to be choosing pieces such as vader's march or indiana jones yes becky which are all awesome and they represent one individual Hedwig's theme, while named after one character, the beautiful snowy owl that was given to Harry on his first visit to Diagon Alley by Hagrid, it best represents the entire Harry Potter world and all the mythology, characters, and lore that has been written, read, and talked about since the film was first released in 2001. From the first individual notes on a lone Celesta moving to the involvement of the rapturous... Full orchestra. The piece is an instant magical classic that perfectly captures the delight, awe, joy, and wonder of the magical world that Harry and his friends live. The melody opens each movie and has become synonymous with each score of, of each movie, including the Fantastic Beasts franchise and video games. It richly deserves to be talked about alongside the other classics of Williams, which are there, of which there are many, as it will live on as it will live on forever in the hearts of Harry Potter fans around the world forevermore. I sincerely hope you read this and consider it to be part of this week's debate. We do not want another Toy Story shutout on our hands. <laughs> also, I know Friend of the Pond Mallory Rubin will back me up on this pitch. And we have, thanks to Becky, Becky singing the Hedwig theme.
0: what a wonderful rendition from Becky. That was really, really
2: cute. By the way, we got a lot of Hedwig's theme emails. Mm-hmm. That was a really, really popular one. So yes. and yeah, uh, thanks for mentioning that. Uh last week people got a little, as we as, as we predicted, frosty that Toy Story didn't make any Toy Story, didn't make it onto the uh debate for Best Pixar movie. And that's why we encourage people to write in, even when we make them sing into their iPhones or whatever they use to record themselves. Um, All right, last but not least, I get to go here. Um, This is Luke. And Luke wrote, if Roger Ebert is right, and movies are like machines that generate empathy... And E.T. is the Batmobile from the Batman. After listening to the Rewatchable's recent E.T. episode, I revisited this masterpiece and was a puddle at the end. I felt every emotion that Elliot and E.T. quite literally share on the screen, along with the amazing directing, writing, and acting. William's score takes you on the highs above the trees, lows to the raccoon river of Elliot and E.T.'s story. I believe that you've mentioned this before, but from time to time, Spielberg ended up making edits that fit Williams' score rather than the other way around, which is kind of unprecedented for directors to do. I recently learned from a documentary perhaps, the Spielberg, perhaps the Spielberg one on HBO, that the final scene of ET is the ultimate example of this unusual dynamic. Williams had been working tirelessly to fit the score around Spielberg's initial cut of the ending without success. Exhausted from not getting the right finish to the movie musically as well, Spielberg let Williams go to his orchestra and crank out the uncut score that Williams had in his soul. Spielberg felt the power of this long, bold score, and he was the one who went back and made edits so that Williams could run with this perfect final piece. Luke, your audio submission is very special. Take it away, Luke.
1: We're flying over the freaking forest. Thanks to my powers, which are never explained, which is just good storytelling. Leave the over explaining of powers to IPs. You need a best friend because your parents split up recently. He hates Mexico. I watched E T recently because of the podcast with Mallory. She was guest starring on the Rewatchables. They watch a movie every week, makes me feel like such an empowered geek, and the ringer verse is the reason I wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. All right
2: so <laughs> deal the reason why we're singing all of these themes is so that we don't get in trouble with legal so that's what we're singing rather than like getting you large cuts of john williams actual beautiful music uh but the fact that it led to this submission from luke which is one of the best things i've ever heard in my entire life <laughs>
0: it's all worth it
2: thank you luke
0: for that <laughs> powers never
1: explain <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's, it's going to be really hard to argue that we should eliminate not only a theme that appears to have come from John Williams' soul, but a rendition that appears to have come from Luke's soul. And
2: with double endorsement for Ringer podcast, So, yeah, I, don't know. I mean,
0: he's, he's uh, got the, the Mallory Rubin block, is voting with him, I'm sure. I know. If we put I know. I know. This is a tough one.
2: But I will say, and I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of what Luke has done here. It's incredible, incredible stuff. He also sent a video. Thank you, Luke. One of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, The Jaws theme, though. Like, it is so elemental. And, like, you don't even have to have seen Jaws to... Know that I okay. Full disclosure: I didn't see Jaws until my early twenties. I somehow missed it. I don't know why, but I knew the Jaws theme and like the dread that it brought with it. So the Jaws theme is it's not to be discounted.
0: Well, and we have a lot of themes that are capturing like the specific emotion of their movie, right? Like the Jurassic Park theme to me is all about wonder and discovery, and uh, as, as John Williams once put it, matching the rhythmic gyrations of the dinosaurs. Wow. With his score. Wow. Uh, but yeah, Jaws has that obviously in a different way. It creates that sense of something crawling up the back of your neck. It creates that sense that something is coming and that it is going to be very scary and it is going to eat people and then they're not going to close the beach. And, you know, that's what the Jaws theme means. Government! To me. <laughs> 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 um, but it is a tough one because I, I think. With the exception of maybe some of the Star Wars, like the little pieces of Star Wars stuff, the Jaws theme is maybe one of probably the most iconic pieces of score in the history of cinema, right? Like you immediately know the movie. I guess it's probably true of most of these, but the Jaws theme overall has sort of, it almost has become bigger than the movie itself.
1: I think just in terms of uh, miles per gallon, or in this case, uh, recognizability by note, Jaws has like two, and you know you're doing Jaws. Uh, The rest of these are tough. I love Hedwig's theme, but uh, as a child at the turn of the century, when I first heard it, I'm like, isn't this just Hook? Because Hook has a very similar ringy, sing-songy, magical, things are right around the corner uh, theme in its prologue that I think was refined uh, into Hedwig's theme. Uh, But E.T.'s theme also, I feel like, is just indisputable. And the argument that Luke makes about it being powerful enough to change the film it is paired with uh, actually makes it unique, I think, uh, amongst our arguments. Uh, Because definitely, uh, Neil, your theme and my theme were used as sort of like calls to action. Joanna's is around a specific moment. I don't know how much uh that has been edited. I have seen uh footage behind the scenes footage of him conducting that and he was conducting to a final edit. So I will assume that he uh made it to fit there. But the idea that uh the con- ET conclusion of ET with the crying Henry Thomas doing what got him the job in the first place before he became horror's uh darling actor um was Dave
2: is like, if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to take a left turn into Mike Flanagan territory. That's <laughs> this right. John Williams' podcast.
1: Why not? It's right there. Uh, it's yeah, or uh, I, I think that the ET theme makes a great argument for probably being most memorable in the uh, now Amblin logo sequence of uh, the flying bike, but it is in that ending in a very strong way too uh, that was equally as memorable to me as a child. I think it's probably down to Jaws versus E.T. with love and respect to Hedwig uh,
2: and her snowy plumage. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to like, Luke really tipped the skill by composing a whole
1: lyrical set to the E.T. theme. Okay. I can make this argument. Let's see if this uh, has a hook for anybody. Um, There... There are four Jaws movies that use that theme. One of them is good. There is one E.T. movie ever. And, like, sure, the theme is also used in the Universal Studios ride back to my uh, youth, but the E.T. theme is the E.T. theme, you know, bro? You're you. If you're hearing the E.T. theme, you're watching the movie. See what it's you tough.
0: Although, I will say this about the E.T. theme. The E.T. theme would be a really great theme on like maybe 10 different Amblin movies, right? Like that feels just like the perfect theme for that sort of subgenre of movies with Jaws. It is very hard to separate that theme from the original Jaws. Even if you bring up the sequels, like no one thinks about those. Um, It's all about that first movie. And I think the only other score that I could come up with that was John Williams that was more sort of inseparable from the movie was close encounters, but that's because the score, the song is like in the movie, like it's the whole plot point of the movie. Yeah. Um, And Jaws feels like it almost gets to that level, even though it's not actually a song that's playing in, you know, diegetically. So it's, it's tough. I mean, Jaws made that theme sort of made that movie iconic. The ET theme. I I do kind of think you could put that elsewhere, but you're right. It, there's only E.T. is a one of one. That's a tough one.
1: Somewhere in Hollywood right now, there's like 15 producers who have cut their reel to the E.T. theme being oh, like, sure. damn it, Neil. <laughs> oh, all right. Stranger Things theme it is, I guess. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's like we were talking earlier about <laughs> the scenes that you think of when the score comes Go- on. Goonies
2: o'clock. Yeah. Sorry. What?
0: <laughs> like, you know, obviously I, I think of the opening of Jaws when I hear the Jaws theme. I think of The meeting the dinosaurs for the first time in Jurassic Park, Duel of the Fates, easy one. But when I hear the ET theme, the first thing that pops into my mind is the Amblin logo Mm -hmm. for some reason.
2: Yeah, but that's like that's you know, years ago, before this podcast existed, David, David, Neil and I sat around a table in Neil's backyard angrily debating the best Disney song. Oh, yeah. I don't know why that debate got so contentious. But but uh, but Dave's pick was When You Wish Upon a Star because it's part of the Disney mm. logo. This is a consistent argument from Dave: is the if is if is it used by corporate, then it's <laughs> got to be great.
0: Does it transcend to become corporate propaganda? <laughs> and yeah, I guess I, that's true with ET.
1: I think it. I I'm leaning Jaws. I'll let Jaws pass because I think if you play Jaws for people who even haven't seen Jaws. That's the power of it. Its grip on pop culture. It's also it's been a long, around for longer, so it definitely like I can remember an America's Funniest Home Video with a guy in a wetsuit and a cello, you know, doing the Jaws theme in the ocean, <laughs> and so that's like Bob Saget era. So that must be part of like a dozen people's childhoods who are listening
0: to this podcast. Yeah. I would say, and listen, I know I'm the guy who picked Jaws as my listener pick, uh, but I'm gonna make one more argument for E. T. And I'm just looking at sort of the. um diversity of genre that we have picked for the movies, right? We have Star Wars, big space epic. We have Raiders of the Lost Ark, great adventure film. Um, we have Jurassic Park, which is uh, a monster movie in many ways, right? Dinosaurs, giant monsters. Um, Jaws is also a monster movie, whereas E.T. is more of a sort of kids' adventure movie. Kids it's, on bikes. It's kids on bikes, which is, you know...
1: Uh that's it's t- also just wonder, which again is what John true. Williams does fantastically, whereas Jaws is the like anti-Wonder,
0: so shouldn't it be included on the list, I guess? Sure. I mean all that to say that again, I picked Jaws as my listener submission, so I'm not gonna stop you guys from moving yeah. putting it in the poll.
1: <laughs> I think it's Jaws. We could do like a best John Williams wonder score and have completely different picks that included like E.T. and Jurassic Park and a whole bunch of other things. But I think if we're gonna get a diversity.
0: We found yet another topic that could be a massive bracket, and it would uh, be a be a real project.
1: <laughs> yeah, I bet you guys really want four weeks of us singing our picks every week. That that would be fantastic. But yeah, no, I think I think Jaws. I think I'm comfortable uh, picking Sean's Jaws and just keeping Luke's Et for myself. Yeah, it's so good, both it's, of you. It's a testament
0: to the other listener, Becky and Luke, that that this was this close because those were submissions were amazing.
1: Maybe I should take Becky's and make it my significant others um ringtone because she's getting very sad uh, that it's sad trombone.
2: <laughs> Why is Java's ringtone sad trombone?
0: Cuz I always know who's calling. <laughs> Oh, that's the ringtone on your phone when that's she calls. A wild, yeah. Neil and I, wow. are Team
2: Java, like change change that immediately. Yeah, yeah I'll,
1: I'll change it to Becky's uh, Hedwig theme. Great, great. <laughs> <I> see that <laughs> when she texts me, it's R two D two, which is basically the same thing in my ears. But that's another tangent. Here we go. Uh, final statements. Each host gets one more one minute uninterrupted to give a last ditch effort for their picks. No one's going to be talking up Sean's jaws because that'll be our fourth pick. But we're going to kick it off with Neil.
0: Well, here's the thing. A vote for Jurassic Park is a vote for beauty and wonder and the awesome sublimity of the dinosaurs re-entering nature. Uh, It's a song that may not have come from John Williams' soul. It may not have come from any of our listeners' soul. But it lives in my soul forever and it is the theme from Jurassic Park and you know this should be an easy one folks but we'll see
1: i'm here to stump for the Raiders march which is its name even though you probably think about it as the Indiana Jones theme because it like a lot of themes have been uh, attached so indelibly to a character that as Harrison Ford quipped at a recent Star Wars celebration that song's going to follow him around for the rest of his life including uh, ongoing Indiana Jones adventures. I believe, once again, John Williams works best by calling you to adventure and therefore being able to have themes that can be inserted uh, either as a, a climax or as a rotating piece to prepare you for the next plot moment. I wouldn't personally pick a uh, emotional one as uh, my John Williams pick, but everybody do you as long as you vote Indiana Jones.
2: Work of the old for bump. All right. Um, well, I'm going to close it out by saying that um, I love all of these songs. <laughs> They're all incredible stuff. This is a really, really good topic. And we have, stick around, because we have we have a little bit more listener music to come to close this out. But um, I, I genuinely want to say that I think voting for Duel of the Fates is voting for all of Star Wars. And it's oh. the point of John Williams' mm. Star Wars music. That even when Star Wars is bad, John Williams is good at what he does with Star Wars music. I know I'm gonna get roasted on Twitter for picking Duel of the Fates over, the Imperial March, et cetera. But I really think if we're talking about the power of John Williams, it's the power to transcend a bad movie. And that's
1: what Duel of the Fates is. So, you know,
2: Cora Ratama, vote for vote for Sith, vote for me.
1: All right, so your nominees are Joanna with Duel of the Fates, myself with Raiders March. Neil with the theme from Jurassic Park and Sean, our listener, who submitted the theme from Jaws. You can vote and uh, make sure to vote on all three existing polls. <laughs> there are polls for the best John Williams theme on ringer.com, on AtRinger on Twitter, and in the Spotify app where you find Trial by Content. You choose the winner and we'll announce it next week. You got three votes. Use all three votes. Uh, speaking of next week, Neil, we're going to... We're going to pivot to something completely different, as is our want. What are we doing next week?
0: Well, next week should be another fun one um, because it's, uh, it involves taking down all of humanity. The topic is, who is your robot overlord? And to honor the return of HBO's Westworld, we will be making the case for the fictional robot. It can come from anywhere, movies, television, books, if you're if you're feeling uh, bookish. A, a song? A song. <laughs> uh, any fictional robot. Uh, and this is the one that you would choose to lead the uprising against humanity. So you, for whatever reason, are part of the robot uprising. You have decided to team with the robots, and you get to pick their leader from anywhere in pop culture. Uh, as always, send your picks and a few sentences to support your pick to trialbycontent at gmail.com. You can also use that email address to submit suggestions for future trial by content topics. We've gotten, we received many of them and they're all wonderful and we can't wait to add them to our list. That email again is trialbycontent at gmail.com.
1: All right, we're going to head out with some more listener submissions that we absolutely enjoyed. We want to say thanks to Janie Dan Severe. Lauren and Leah for out our outro submissions this week and as always, thank you so much to our producer, Carlos Cheroboga
0: Okay, I can't believe I'm doing this. This is dedicated to my dad, Tony,
2: who used to go around humming this music all the time when I was a kid
0: Ba-ba-ba-ba-da-dum Ba-ba-ba-da-da-da-dum dum ba da ba da 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 da
1: Thank you for listening to my submission for this
2: week's Trial by Content. I am not a professional singer, so please be kind.
1: The best song from... John Williams is for Jurassic Park. There is no other option here. Please vote for Jurassic Park.
2: I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's like, doo-doo,
1: doo-doo-doo, it's hard. It's hard to have especially because there's that other theme that's like bum bum bum, ba da bum bum bum, like super easy. Uh, this is jazz. It's hard. It's edgy.